Hi, and welcome to Data Futurology, a podcast for data enthusiasts, data scientists, and upcoming data science leaders to get the skills you need to take your career to the next level. I am your host, Felipe Flores, and today we have a special type of episode. Data Futurology is about to turn one. We've been doing this for almost a year now, and I've really loved and I'm really appreciative of the reception that the podcast has had in the data science community. When I started the podcast, what I was thinking at the beginning was that a lot of podcasts and a lot of material out there and the industry in general has, a, I think, a huge focus on the technical side, on the technical capability, the stats, the coding, the machine learning, the data visualization, the data engineering, all key parts of our discipline. And what I was thinking is, well, for somebody that wants to be a leader in this space, where do they go to increase their knowledge, to improve their understanding, to be a better leader? You can learn the technical stuff, but then there's a huge gap in terms of how do you implement it and have a significant impact in organizations. And that's how the idea of the podcast, or I guess the topic for the podcast came, came about to say, let's hear the stories of people that have done it, people that are leaders and executives in this space and hear what have been their lessons learned to date, what have been their mistakes, their challenges, the things that they've done well and that they wish they could have done better. And that's been super interesting for me. And I know that a lot of people have appreciated by the feedback messages and emails that I get, which I love hearing from you guys. Now, in over the last year, some of the other feedback has been, can I start putting out some more content myself, talking about some of the learnings and some of the key concepts and topics that are required in this space around the, the leadership in, in data science and in the data space in general. And to be honest, at the beginning, I was kind of scared and uncomfortable by it because I was like, oh, okay, well, what am, I, what am I going to put out there? But then as I was thinking about it, I came to this approach to think about it as an open source chief data analytics officer or an open source chief data scientist or an open source general manager of data science. And what I mean by open source is I thought, well, it'd be great if somebody that was going through the challenges of being a chief or a GM, a general manager, if somebody was talking about the challenges of being a chief or a GM in this space as they were going through them as well as retrospectively through the interviews that we have. I got to a point that I was thinking, well, if somebody was talking through those challenges in real time of being an executive in this space, I would be listening to that. So I decided to do it. And that's what I've been doing with the series of the content and the episodes that I've been recording myself. The bits that I'm sharing is either what are the current challenges that I'm facing, thinking about, trying to solve, and what have been some of the ones that I've solved in the past that I've developed some guidelines, some recipes, some rules of thumb, and I'm sharing those with you so they can help you in your journey. And obviously with everything, take it, make it your, uh, change it, adapt it, make it your own and make it better. That's what we're here for, to support each other in this journey so then we can all have a bigger impact in our professional life and be happier in general. And I hope that these episodes have been and will continue to do that for you. So with that being said, one of the key themes or some of the key themes that come out of these interviews, one of them is empathy. 
we did a, an episode recently around the empathy behind building relationships and communication as data scientists with your stakeholders. We spoke about that. So today we'll talk about another key theme that has come out of these interviews. And the reason why I'm highlighting these as themes is because it's quite distinct to how a lot of the industry sees our discipline and our roles as. So very different to what a lot of people think that we should do and what we should aim for. So today I wanted to talk to you about outcomes organizational outcomes. So be that business, not-for-profit, research, or government, etc. Across the board, I'm talking outcomes, value, change, improvement, etc. And what happens is, at least what, what I see is that there's a drift between what a lot of people find interesting in their role or what they wish the data scientist role was, or the way that a lot of data scientists approach it, approach our job. There's a big difference between that and what these organizations need from us in order to get what they want from us, which is an improved organization, better decisions, and a data-driven culture are the key things that I think organizations want from us. Now, what I hear from a little data scientist is that we like playing with shiny new toys, that we like using the latest algorithms, the latest tech, and that we want to use as many technology stacks as possible and definitely the new ones, getting to the new ones. New algorithms, new tech stacks. And even I met people recently that they told me how they were a bit unhappy in their work. And when we dug a bit deeper, I said, well, why are you thinking about leaving this company? You've been there a few years or the company that you're in. You've been there a few years. Why are you thinking about leaving? And they said, well, I've already used all the technologies in the data that they have available in the data analytics space. So they said to me, I, I know in this particular case, they said, I know AWS. I know Spark. I'm done. And I hope that raises some alarm bells for you. If it doesn't, then keep listening and we'll talk through it. But essentially, what that said to me was that this person, not only them, but a lot of people in the industry, they want to collect, <laughs> they want to collect tech stacks and they want to collect algorithms. Say, I have all these certifications, I know how to use all these products, all these cloud infrastructures, platforms, and all these algorithms. And hey, now people think that that's what makes the best data scientist. But what's come out of the interviews with the leaders and the executives in this podcast have been that a lot of these people have made their careers, made significant impact to organizations without knowing all of the tech stacks and without knowing all of the algorithms and cutting edge methods. And I hope that you've been asking yourself, why? Why is that? What are they doing then? And what they're doing is they're focusing on the business value, on the outcome, on making a better organization or a better business as a result of their efforts. And sometimes that seems unattractive to the younger generation of data scientists because they see us as boring. Oh, you know, like doing a another churn model or another propensity model. That's just boring. It's, it's so easy. And what I've found when people say that is that they approach those problems as a recipe. So they say, oh, I'm going to do a customer segmentation. So therefore, I'm going to apply some clustering methods that are unsupervised, end up with a few groups. And here's my customer segments. I end up with a few clusters, which are my customer segments. Boom, done. 
And while that is helpful, it's also what most people out there are doing. So by you as a data scientist taking that approach of firing up Google or going to a textbook and following the recipe that's there, what you're doing by that is making your organization just like any other organization. You're making more of the average, more of the status quo. You're not moving your organization further. And that's why data scientists, we think that we need the latest tech stack and the latest algorithm. But I'm here to say, no, there's a third option. So it's not the high tech versus the boring stuff within data science. The third alternative is this value, value creation. And you do that by creating new recipes, new approaches on how to solve traditional business problems. And the reason for that is because most organizations in the world currently need data engineers and data scientists that can solve traditional business problems, ideally in new and interesting ways. So it's very few organizations that need people to be using all of the cutting edge models and all of the cutting edge tech. Very, very few because those are the companies that are facing the problems that we will all have in the future, as in the rest of the organizations, definitely. But if you focus your efforts on solving traditional business problems with new approaches, the way that I see that is like a musician learning to play an instrument better and better and better and better. And the data scientists, the people that are wanting to collect tech stacks and algorithms, I see those as somebody who wants to play one song or two songs on lots and lots of instruments. I hope that makes sense in terms, in terms of the difference in approach. Obviously, in music, you have virtuosos, people that have studied one instrument for tens of thousands of hours. They become sort of the top of their game. So essentially doing almost like one, what can be seen as one thing, lots, instead of learning lots of different instruments, only a little bit. Or for me, you know, when I was in my 20s, I did a lot of karate, a lot of martial arts. I loved it. It took up a lot of my time for a big period of my life. And it definitely has had a significant impact in who I am today, my time practicing karate. And one of the things that one of my instructors said, which was a famous quote in martial arts, was something along the lines of an instructor saying, I do not fear the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, as in 10,000 different types of kicks. And then he goes on to say, I fear the person who has done one kick 10,000 times. So what I mean by that is that in the approaches, in the algorithms, there is a depth of knowledge that you can extract through the repetitive use of that algorithm and the further investigation of that algorithm. And that will unlock so many more opportunities to create value for your organization rather than using all new different techniques and approaches. For example, from my experience, many years ago, I met a very talented data scientist called uh, Jim Savage. He has since moved to New York. He moved to New York a few years ago to work in a startup. And now he is the data science lead at the Eric Schmidt Foundation. Eric Schmidt being the chairman of Alphabet and ex-CEO of Google. He started a foundation. And then the guy who leads the data science efforts there is uh, Jim Savage. And I met Jim many years ago and outstandingly talented data scientist. And one of the many things that he told me, he told me about this thing in the random forest called the proximity matrix. 
in your code for random forest, turning on the proximity matrix, it's a calculation that's done in the background for random forest and turning it on so you can use it. It's literally like proximity matrix equals true in the line of code that you use to run a random forest. And what that, this gives you is a matrix of numbers that you can use to determine the similarity between different rows in your data set. So essentially what it does is like it crunches the number of features that you have, it crunches it down into this matrix. So then you can use Euclidean distance to see what examples in your rows are similar to others. And then the method of row is called proximity score matching, which I'm sure people have heard of. But then you can say which of the rows are similar to one another. Now, that might not sound very exciting. The way that Jim told me about all those years ago, he said that they were using it to understand how much of a difference university education makes on people's income. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. It's a very social sciences application, but it sounds really interesting. And I asked him more about it. And he said that by what they do is they, they look for they use the proximity matrix to look at individuals that are very similar on most features, obviously, except for the one that you're trying to predict, except for your target feature. So the individuals are very similar in most features, and then you pair them and you're trying to understand what is the difference between their income. And the reason why they were doing that is because you can't, as people are going into university, say, you can't say to one, you're going in, or you guys are very similar, you guys are twins, say, and one of them gets, gets to go to university and the other one doesn't, and then we use that for an experiment to see how much of a difference in income they can make over their life. Obviously, you can't do that unethical. So by using this method, you can find individuals that are very similar to one another, but that the main difference between them in the data observed, obviously, but the main difference is that one had tertiary education and the other one didn't. And you can understand the differences in their income level over time. I thought it was fantastic. And in my career, I've used that a number of times and including, and it's, I've been able to show my teams and, and they've been able to create a lot of value for lots of businesses. And for example, we've, we've done that across stores and we've ranked stores of a client by profitability and then we try and find stores from the top 20% that are very close to stores from the bottom 20%. And we do that matching through this proximity score matching and we try to identify which are the features that these two stores are most different in. And that pair of stores being one from the most profitable and one from the least profitable. You might create those pairs and you're trying to find what are the features that they're the most different in. And that really helps people focus the mind in terms of what can be improved in the bottom performing store. So obviously that's a long rant, rant how to use a really weird part of random forest. But my point is that sometimes seen as more traditional or more basic algorithms, there's a lot of depth that you can use creatively. You as a data scientist can use all the nuances in the algorithms. You can use them creatively to solve traditional business problems in order to give your organization a leg up in the competitive landscape in their industry. And by having that focus, you become a virtuoso, going back to the music analogy, you can become a virtuoso of certain types of algorithms where you're using them better than other people are by having a deeper understanding of them, which leads to more creative applications. And when you pair that with being outcomes driven and you focus on solving traditional business problems in these creative ways that are not 
very far, like they're not far outside of the reach. Like you don't need more data or more computing power or it's within the sphere of influence. And it's about being smarter in how to approach problems that instead of looking at the textbook or going on Google and finding the traditional recipe for clustering and using the traditional unsupervised methods, maybe next time you use supervised methods for clustering. Maybe you use a random forest and you see what you can do with a proximity matrix. For example, so my challenge to you today is twofold. One is to be outcomes driven, aim to make a difference in your organization. And the second point is that to try to do that by being better at using traditional tools. And by better, I mean, if you know them more deeply than others, you can apply them in more creative ways. And by doing that, you will give your organization a competitive advantage. And obviously, it means that you would be a better data scientist for it, and you would have the impact to show for your competitive advantage and what you can bring to the organization. So next time that you're thinking that the debate or that the roads in data science are go down the traditional boring path of applying algorithms to solve or applying old algorithms to solve traditional problems, that's one path, and thinking that the other path is to learn the latest and greatest tech stack and algorithms. Don't think that there's only those two paths. Please realize that there's a whole different path that is the path less traveled. And in my opinion, for what the largest number of organizations need from our discipline today, this third option is the most critical one, the one where you can have the biggest impact and provide more value. And it is to use traditional algorithms, understand them much more deeply and use them in creative ways to solve traditional business problems and that your competitive advantage as a data scientist and for your organization comes from that depth of knowledge. Obviously, I only gave one example there with the random forest and the, using the proximity matrix to do proximity score matching. But there are many, many out there. And if you have some that you use, please share it with me. We can share them with the community if you're comfortable. If not, that's totally fine. If you start investigating and you find something interesting and you want to chat, discuss, let me know. Always open to hearing from the audience. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully that was interesting, helpful, and definitely aim to solve business problems in creative ways with traditional tools and you will stand out not only in your workplace but in, in your industry thank you very much thanks for listening i hope that you have a fantastic week take care and i'll see you next time i wanted to tell you about the rmit online masters of data science strategy and leadership I was one of the industry advisors for this program. It's an online master's program and it covers both data science strategy and leadership and it has also a technical component. Highly, highly recommended for people wanting to get ahead with the program. You can gain this advanced strategic leadership and data science capabilities required to influence executive leadership teams and deliver organization-wide solutions. For more information, visit online.rmit.edu. AU. I wanted to tell you about We Are Rubik's, one of Australia's leading pure data consulting companies delivering project outcomes for some of the world's leading brands. Growing rapidly and with offices in Melbourne, Sydney and the US, Rubik's are as serious about analytics as they are about their, pin their pinball. True story, they have like 10 pinball machines in their Melbourne head office. 
If you're interested in joining a passionate and vibrant team who make work fun, head to wearerubix.com and get in touch today. That's wearerubix, all one word, wearerubix.com and get in touch today. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.